Hello everyone, this is China Paradigm, where we, Dashi Consulting, interview seasoned entrepreneurs in China. Hello everyone, I'm Matthew David, the founder of Dashi Consulting, a China market search company based in Beijing, Shanghai, and Hong Kong, and its podcast, uh, China Paradigm. And today, I am with two entrepreneurs uh, who I've known the, the product for like two years, three years the founders of Baopal. So I am today with Charles Erickson and Jason Hill. You are both two co-founders, but you are three of you actually uh, to, to have founded the business of Baopal. Baopal is a platform where you can buy in English in a very seamless, easy way products from Taobao, the biggest uh, e-commerce platform uh, in China and maybe one of the biggest in the world um, based on the fact that 50% of the uh, Americans on Amazon are actually from China. So numbers are pretty impressive. You communicated with me some numbers I'm going to share with the audience. Close to 3 million items sold since 2016 when you founded the business. About 50,000 registered users uh, so I believe that's more loyal users because they're registered. And uh, about 700,000 um, orders placed. Um, I, actually, that's something I, I, I need. we need to have more precision between orders and items purchased and so on. So thanks for being with us. Uh, it seems that it has been a very exciting journey. Now, you, how many people are in the team? Uh, now, yeah, close to 40 people. Yeah, around uh, 40. Right. Can you tell us more about the story since 2016, how it started? Yeah, well, I guess Charlie, Charlie can start because it started in, in 2015 um, with Charlie, actually. Yeah, I, I was just, um, I was an English teacher before this. I taught English and macroeconomics, but I was doing that for two years and I, I wanted a, a change of career, um, but I, I didn't know what to do. I think a lot of expats have this after teaching in China for a couple of years. Um, but I didn't want to go back to America, so I was just sort of in this mindset, okay, there's a lot of things happening in China. Maybe I can figure out some type of idea. Um, and my roommate, who's our third co-founder, uh, was an app developer, and he said, okay, let's come up with ideas for apps. So I just started writing down problems that expats have. Um, and one of them that I wrote down was Taobao, because all of us know Taobao, but none of us were using it because our Chinese wasn't good enough. We didn't have Alipay. Um, and, and so I, I presented this to him and he was like, I think this is possible. Um, and when he said that, we got really excited. Um, I told Jay about it as well. And then when uh, we said, okay, when our third co-founder, the tech guy said, we can't do this. Uh, I just went ahead and quit my job. Um, right then, I'm like, okay, this is what's going to happen. We're going to focus on this. And then I convinced Jay to quit his job uh, a couple months later. And, and then uh, TJ was already freelancing. So then everybody was on board. What are we talking about now? Uh, I said, um, I mean, I, I, I saw on your presentation, 3 million items sold since the start. But what are we talking about in terms of revenues for 2018? Um, well, altogether, we've we've done over 160 million RMB um, in gross merchandise value, so basically total sales. Mm -hmm. um, for 2018, I, I believe it was around 70 um, 70 million RMB in, in the calendar year, um, and so we're selling around. I mean, we have our we have our busy months and our slow months, so we're just coming out of mm. a slow month. 
by far the slowest month of the year because all these foreigners leave China, summer holidays, um, and a new wave of expats starts coming in in August for the new school year. Um, but uh, in a normal month, we're doing about 5,000 items sold. I see. Um, and uh, what's the perspective for 2019? Uh, how is the first semester? Um, you know, we like from the beginning, we, we don't really do many projections because we realize okay. that we can, we can be as optimistic as we want. We can be as pessimistic as we want, but we don't know until it actually happens. Um, but uh, I mean, 2019 is looking good. We keep growing every year. Um, and, um, we're at least 25%. Um, a lot of that depends on the peak season, though, because that's when we see the most growth, and we haven't started peak season yet. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it looks to be a good year. Our team is humming really well now. Our processes um, are a lot smoother than they were, especially in the first year when we were just figuring everything out on the go. Um, and so profitability-wise, you know, we're looking really good. We don't really delve into how profitable we are, uh, but the company is in good shape. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just so good. Sorry. Oh, just personally, if we hit 70 million in 2018, I'd be very happy if we can get to 100 million for 2019. <laughs> Could you share about the? <laughs> Could you share about the business model? I think a lot of people who uh, go to Balpals for the first time would say, "But how does it work? Uh, what margin do you take? Uh, what, what, uh, do you have a special agreement? Uh, do you? Uh, how, 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 can you explain us more about the business model?" Sure. Um, well, yeah, just kind of going back to what Charlie said. The reason why we did this. Um, I mean, imagine there's like a really good public transportation system in your country, and there's an entire group of people who can't even use it. Right? That's what it felt like for us with Taobao and just not being able to use it because uh, we, couldn't, we couldn't read Chinese, we, couldn't, uh, we weren't using Alipay, we didn't know how to find the products we want, we didn't know the brands. So um, essentially what our platform is, is, is a bridge that makes every single product and seller from Taobao available um, on our platform with our interface, our customer service. You can find whatever you want on your own. Um, you don't really need assistance until... Um, you want to talk to the seller about something or you have some delivery complications and then our team is ready to help. Um, so we have every single product from Taobao available and it's updating in real time. So if the seller changes the price, our price changes too. Um, and as far as the business model goes, we have a markup um, of 6% and then a fixed fee of 2 RMB to a maximum of, uh, of 8 RMB, right. Um, and, I see. Uh, so that's built everything on the site. Is it transparent? Do you communicate on the 6% plus 2 GMMB? Sorry, yeah. Sorry? Do you communicate transparently on the 6%? I mean, do you tell all your clients we take a markup of 6%? Right, that's, uh, that's on the website if anybody yeah. cares okay. to, to, you know, the frequently asked questions. Right. So I see. The, the 10 plus 2 to 8, it ends up being around maybe 8 to 10% total on average, I would say. I see. Price. So, yeah, that's very reasonable. 6% is like um, uh, just an additional small tax like VAT, um, an additional VAT, which is 6% for the services, basically a service VAT. I understand now. Um, about the, the, the service you provide, I feel that the, the pain for expats to buy on Taboo is not only translation. 
It's also to get delivered, to, to, to see the update of your product, where it is, when it's going to be delivered, uh, to interact with the delivery man. Do you help on this? How far do you go in terms of support? Uh, yeah, we go pretty far. So that's part of the, the service fee you're paying for. Um, so we help communicate with the delivery man. If there's an issue, um, we have, we've developed over the past three year, years pretty, a pretty good system on being able to liaison quickly between our team here and either Tabo sellers or delivery men and our customers. Um, so if there's any issue, people can contact us very easily through on the website, through the help forums, or message us directly on WeChat and we can solve their problems. Um, and one thing that's been nice that we've seen actually over the, the past three years is the number of requests for help have been going down, even though that our user base has been growing. And I think this is just because our users are becoming more intelligent and they're figuring out how the system works. So once you've had a, a package delivered to your apartment the first time, um, you know how it works. And you can say, okay, yeah, he puts it in front of my door, he puts it in this locker. Um, and you figure out how to navigate the site, you become smarter on how to find good products on the website. So that's been a, a nice trend for us. Right, a lot of what we do uh, visible too. I mean, every we have our team checking every single order to make sure that uh, the address is correctly translated into Chinese. Usually our team translates it so the customer doesn't have to, uh, to make sure that every seller that a customer purchases from is reliable and they ship out within 48 hours. Um, a lot of that happens behind the scenes. Um, and so we're just trying to make sure our customer has a smooth experience. Um, and then there's also pre-sale service. If somebody has questions about a product or they want to help finding a product, um, our team is there to live chat with them or answer their questions on a product page. Um, and then after sales too, where we're tracking down orders, making sure they reach their destination. If somebody wants to return something, we handle all the communication with the seller. We make sure they get their refund often in advance of the seller refunding. Um, so we just try to do everything we can. I mean, the service for us is something we really pride ourselves on. It's something that you're often missing in China. You know, a, a certain um, standard of quality and an expectation that's uh, consistent. Well, it depends on the seller. They're the ones providing the service to you. So some sellers, some sellers might not even respond. Um, so we just try to make sure that we have a consistent quality. Right. Part of establishing that trust in the beginning, we uh, established a rule, just sort of a mantra, and that was, um, you know, either the customer gets the product or they get their money back. And I think we've been very good about that. And so once people realize that, they're able to shop with a lot more confidence that no matter what, I will always get what I ordered. And in the rare event that some package goes missing or anything like this, uh, you're not shit out of luck. You get your money back. Very interesting because I believe that a lot of foreigners who may have bought on Taobao in Chinese directly may actually have given up on returning the product because it may be very troublesome actually to return the product or if there's any issue they will give up and, and lose, uh, lose the money or just uh, give up on the product they would not use because it's too to Mafan, I would say, to, to return. I have the map of your customers on the presentation you sent to me. And I see that uh, Shanghai, Beijing is representing like a 40%, um, sorry, like 50%, roughly, 50%. So the other half is all over China, spread all over China. That gives a bit an idea of who your customers are. Uh, they are very diverse first. Could you tell us more about the typ typical 
customer and the segmentation you have. Uh, are there people who have uh, only, on, only uh, expats from the West or it's also expats from Japan, from Korea? Yeah, are they uh, all over China as I just described? Could you tell us a bit of ideas of who is shopping on your website? Sure. Um, you know, actually, in the in the first year, Shanghai was uh, more like forty five percent of our demographic. So it was because I mean we're based in Shanghai and our friends are all in Shanghai, and you know we don't do a lot of traditional marketing. We uh, we rely mostly on word of mouth to grow. So it's been cool to see the company, uh, the the website, take off in Shanghai um, and then start spreading and. You know, in the early days, we would see, oh, we got an order from Sanya or we got an order from Nanjing. And then many other orders from that region would follow because we'd have these early adopters in these different cities and provinces. Um, and then they would tell their friends, their colleagues, you know, we would start recognizing these addresses uh, show up more and more. So that's been really cool. Um, and because, you know, the, we don't handle the logistics here in China, the sellers ship directly to the customers. Um, that means, you know, we ship all over China, um, right off the bat. Um, so that was, it was never, it was never an issue for us to expand around mainland China. So, um, it's been good to see it take off as far as the other demographics go, um, age groups, we span, you know, the whole gamut. Um, but our, our largest age group is about 25 to 34. Those young professionals, um, who have a steady income here, um, who are making a home for themselves here, at least for, you know, uh, probably a couple of years, maybe more. And so they're buying things for their apartment. They're, they're buying their clothes for the different seasons. Um, that's, that's kind of our core group, which is really our, our demographic. Um, and male and female, the split is about like 51 or 52% female to 48, 49% male. So it's pretty even. Um, although females do do a lot more browsing. They, um, they look at the departments more. They browse the categories a lot more. They spend more time on the website. Um, and, uh, and then as far as the nationalities go, um, it's, the, it's the primarily English-speaking countries. That's our main market. I mean, our, our, our platform and our content caters to uh, the English-speaking market. Um, so we have a lot of Americans, Canadians, Brits, Australians, um, but, and South Africans, too, actually, are quite strong. Um, and then from there, though, we really just spread out and cover all kinds of nationalities. We... Um, we actually made the website available in Russian and Korean, um, the, partly because, you know, a lot of Russians are shopping from uh, like AliExpress overseas and are interested in, in, in using Taobao agents. Um, and then Koreans, because they're such a large expat group in China. But we haven't really seen much take off with the Koreans. Um, we do have Korean shoppers on the site, but really not, not what we were hoping for. Um, and I think that's just because it's a very, it's a very different market um, than what we're currently serving. Um, and, you know, there, there, there's different culture, there's different language. Uh, they expect, you know, just different things from the platform. Um, so other than the English speaking, we have Europeans, we have uh, Indians and uh, people from the Middle East, people from Africa. You really see people from all over. I went on similar web to understand better uh, where you get your traffic and who is, who is uh, browsing your website. And I found out that 34%, of course, it's an estimation. It's not the exact numbers, are coming from the U.S. I'm not sure it's because of a VPN or if it's really coming from the U.S. And second is 20% from China, then Hong Kong, then the U.K., and then Singapore for 4%. Um, so it seems you have a lot of traffic from outside of China. Are you 
do you have clients out of China and China and do you ship to them? Could you tell us more about, about the people outside of China who return to their countries? Uh, is it demographics for you? Uh, no, I think that's probably skewed by VPNs. We, I we see. do get browsing outside of China, but we don't ship outside of China. So if you're seeing 40% coming from the U.S., those are people on U.S. VPN, I would assume. Um, and we do, like I said, we, we do get some people messaging us on a pretty regular, base, regular basis, maybe almost every day asking we ship to their country. So we do know that people outside of uh, China um, are, are curious in finding the website. Um, so it's definitely something that we've been thinking about for a long time about how do we expand this business and take it overseas. Um, and we've actually started making some moves on that, you know, thinking about how we would do the warehousing, how it would ship outside. Um, but right now, we still feel also that we have a, a ways to grow in the domestic market. Like you said uh, earlier, that our, our current user base is 50,000 users. But a lot of those users have actually already left China, right? Because there's a high turnover of expats. A lot of people will be here for one to two years, and then we find that they leave, you know, and they'll be like, oh, we'll miss you, Baupals. And so what we want to try to figure out how to do is to tr change these customers that you know, find and love us here in China into lifelong customers when they go back to their home countries. I see. I see. Got it. Um, I, you talked about the seasonality. You said that uh, June, July, July is not very high season for you. Uh, I believe you were talking about Christmas as the high season. But when I'm looking at, uh, again, from similar web at the traffic, I see a peak in March. And I believe you have another peak, I mean, a peak in, 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 in for Christmas for sure. Could you, talk, could you tell us more about the seasonality? Is March a high season and why? And, and then uh, about Christmas and how you manage this seasonality. I believe it's, it's, it's difficult. You will have much more customer service, much more things to do during like two or three weeks for Christmas. Sure. Um, yeah, that was, it was kind of uh, tough for us in the first uh, year and, and, um, to a lesser extent in the second year, managing the team itself, because we launched the company, um, well, we launched the website March 1st, 2016. You might see a greater traffic in March, um, partly because it's our anniversary. And so we're doing our big anniversary sale and uh, celebrating another year of the company, but also just because um, it's like, it's the middle of the, of the school year. And, and actually some spring students have come in um, and people are back from Chinese New Year, so they've had a long break, so they have a lot of things they wanted to buy, but they couldn't buy in February uh, because the sellers are offline. So um, there's a bit of like a backlog of orders in March. Um, but peak season for us is, is definitely October through mid-December. Um, October, well, September, it picks up a lot because the new school year starts, so there's a new wave of foreigners coming in. Um, and, and October, the weather starts changing, people start gearing up for the winter and buying lots of clothes and also buying a lot of Halloween gear because um, Halloween is such a Western holiday um, that in many parts of China, people want to celebrate Halloween. They want to have their parties. Um, they want to share that culture maybe with their, their classrooms or just with their friends and families, um, but they don't know where to buy Halloween stuff, even though all of it's made here in China. So we have our Halloween department. Um, we, we do a big marketing push that gets a lot of buzz. Um, and then, of course, in November, you know, people start Christmas shopping. And then we have the big 11-11 sale, which is just insane for us. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, we're a small company, so it's nothing compared to what's going on with Alibaba. But 11-11 um, but is a huge deal where, you know, we're working 
Uh, we're working 24 hours uh, to keep up with the orders. And then the Christmas shopping carries on through 1212, uh, the big Taobao year in sale. Um, and, then, and then about a week after that, you know, everyone goes away for Christmas um, and things slow down a whole lot. Um, so in, in that first year, um, we were growing so quickly that we had to move out of the apartment. We were working in Charlie and Tyler's apartment and we had like nearly 18 staff at that point, um, just like six, seven months after launching. Um, and all of a sudden we were like, oh my God, 11-11 is coming. Christmas shopping is happening. We need to, we need to get an office. Yeah, we, we need to get, get out, out of here. here. Right. <laughs> um, we can't, the internet was probably going to fail and our, we can't have enough staff here working in this two bedroom apartment. Um, so we ended up getting a massive office space and moving in just a week before 11-11. And we had to set up all the computers and cables ourselves. Um, you know, we've always been, you know, very on a very low budget uh, and just doing everything ourselves when we can. So, um, and then we move in and we find out the internet doesn't work. So we go through 11, the biggest sale of the year in our first year, and we're on Wi-Fi hotspots. And we had like, we had like six or seven Wi-Fi hotspots. Um, around the office, people's internet's cutting in and out. We're trying to service all these customers from midnight to midnight. Um, and we also, our, our heating is breaking because it's short-circuiting the electricity. So we're on space heaters. People are wearing winter clothing in the office. It was mayhem, but, uh, but it, you know, the, the team really like powered through it. Um, it kind of bonded everyone together because, you know, we were growing so fast. It was really exciting. And we, people bond through a bit of uh hardship and struggle and um you know so there was a lot of learning that first year now we're able to better manage our resources and prepare for those peak seasons and also survive the low seasons um you know when when we're not profitable in july um we're able to weather that storm financially at least i invested in a company which was um uh doing uh, actually drop shipping buying on taobao customizing the product and then sending uh, to, to, to the customers in France. And uh, one of the difficulties that the team had is that the shoppers on Taobao may just stop selling at some point the product. So we, were, we, we had to find a new one because the time when it was bought, then uh, it was not available in, in, uh, anymore. Um, they, 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 there are these kind of issues with a platform like Taobao. What kind of difficulties have you faced and how do you, how do you uh, manage them you talked about double eleven and double twelve. Uh, at that time, it it's creating a lot of delay as well. So I believe you have to communicate. Even uh, I see you have a dog. For those who are not uh, watching the the video and listening to us, uh, a dog in the in the office. Very cool. Uh, so you 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 double eleven and double twelve. It, it's a lot of customer service to manage as well. Uh, and your clients may not totally understand that. So I believe it's also an extra work on top of the extra sales. It's an extra work for communication and, and service. Could you tell us about the, the challenges you faced uh, by working with Taobao shoppers, Taobao uh, merchants, sorry, uh, sellers, and uh, also the peak seasonality? Yeah, well, yeah, of course, uh, when we have all these extra sales, the, the workload increases. So uh, we have a lot of sometimes part-time staff on call. So we're working at full capacity. Some people are working overtime. Um, but also our, our customers are good at understanding. We let them know that, that look, uh, when 11-11 happened, there are billions of packages moving across uh, China and the warehouses are full, the distribution centers are overloaded. Um, so there will be delays. 
And so we just make that very clear to our customers and most of them understand. Of course, some people will be a bit angry and upset, but really there's nothing you can do. Uh, the, the system is just uh, overloaded in China and it takes up to two weeks for it to kind of unclog. So we let them know in advance and say, you know, okay, great savings, great deals on this day, uh, but be prepared for delays. Um, we do have on the site uh, location from the seller. So if people, we advise them, like if you want faster shipping, try to find a product that's in your city or near your city. Uh, most likely you'll get it much quicker. Um, so yeah, the workload, like uh, kind of Jay was saying, it's, it's, it helps the team bond as well. You know, the hardship is actually good. Um, and people are excited because it's the most profitable season for us. And uh, we give out bonuses to all of our employees based on how profitable we are. So everybody's busting their ass, but everybody knows they're going to get a nice bonus at the end of November. So they're still happy to work. Do you, do you refund the commission, by the way, when I return the product, or the commission would be always uh, a fee for the service you provide? You money. We, we still hold to that policy. The customer gets what they wanted, or they get all of their money back. Um, so, yeah, we, we hold to that as well. And, I see. It's a very strong posture. Yeah, Taobao sellers can always be reliable. So, um, you know, we, we also try to actively monitor that. Um, and there are cases where we have to ban certain products or we ban certain sellers because we know that they can't provide uh, a good service. So more and more, we just try to make sure that our customers are seeing the best sellers and the best products. Um, that's why we push out a lot of content. Um, that's why we've done a lot of work kind of reorganizing Taobao and Tmall, creating our own departments and categories, featuring sellers, um, and giving our users also tools for them to uh, recommend the products that they like to other shoppers on the website. So a big part of what we do is trying to bring the best products and sellers to the surface, the products that other foreigners, you know, our, our demographic wants, um, and, you know, making sure that the bad products get out of the spotlight. Right. I'm seeing from similar web again that uh, you have 70% of your traffic, uh, which is um, people going directly to your website. Um, and very few from search, like very, very little from, from Google, like 17%. Again, the, the numbers are not exact, but you give an idea of the, of the, the masses, the volumes, and 10% from email. So as far as I understand, you have a, a strong basis of customers which come back uh, to your website and, and buy again, or as you say, uh, word of mouth. Um, would, you, would you mind sharing a little bit uh, more about uh, your client acquisition vision, what you do, and what you envision for the future. Um, you compete some way with AliExpress, Light in the Box, in some way, I mean, it's more for people who are outside of China, but in some way you compete with them, and they do a lot of marketing on Facebook, on, on, on social media, on search. Um, so it, it could be interesting to, for, 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 for the audience to understand more about the client acquisition. My, the manager who was managing the e-commerce I invested in knew you from actually an exhibition. Uh, and I think you had a booth. So it was very, very, um, very actually a brick and mortar. And you are managing an internet business. So it was very interesting for me to see that you were able to convert from actually uh, being present in Shanghai at events. Could you share more about some ideas or some things you did to scale the client acquisition. Well, that, that person must be one of the one of the rare ones that actually from offline marketing because 
Um, we've done so little offline marketing. Um, I, I think I know the event because we only did one event. Um, and uh, so on the marketing side, we've tried a lot of different things. Um, and we've often found that the amount of time and, and resources committed to those marketing efforts didn't really make as much of an impact um, as we would expect to justify those efforts because we do see, you know, uh, many dozens of people registering on the website we do marketing or not. Um, and when we, we put some effort in, we might see a short little spike for a day or two in new users, but um, oftentimes not enough to really justify doing that marketing. Having said that, um, we do continue uh, online marketing. Um, that starts with content. So it's kind of a soft marketing. We want to put out a lot of good articles, a lot of good pieces on, on WeChat primarily, but also on Facebook and we do Instagram. We have a Pinterest now. Um, and so that drives a lot of the growth because, um, especially when we do our WeChat pushes and we write articles that get shared in people's moments or people send to their friends directly, um, you know, and it can be any content, whether it's an article about living life as a foreigner in China that gets a lot of comments going, um, and, uh, or, or it's something like, uh, here are 15 very Australian products and then a few Australians will share it with each other and say, hey, hey, we can buy these snacks from back home on Balthaus. Um, so we try to do good content as our primary you know, marketing uh, effort, uh, but also uh, we do Facebook ads and we do Google AdWords. Um, and you know, those are quite low cost and we do see, uh, we do see a, a decent return on those and um, certain times of year we will pump that up a little bit more because we know it's the, it's the time for growth or we're promoting the 11-11 sale, or our Halloween department just went live. Um, but otherwise, we don't do, we don't do events anymore. We, we, we don't do a lot of sponsorships or um, traditional advertising. We don't do paid ad for adverts like banners or um, pieces on other platforms. Um, every once in a while, we'll do some collaborative marketing, like uh, DD English reached out to us, and they wanted, uh, they wanted us to offer a, a coupon on for our users to use on a DD ride because they have their English app. Um, and then they also promoted us on DD English, which was very cool. It was kind of a proud moment for us to be featured on, you know, one of China's most successful companies. Um, so every once in a while we'll do that sort of cross marketing, but we don't have a marketing team. We don't have a marketing uh, person on staff. Um, it's more something that we keep quite lightweight. Yeah. Well, one thing we value a bit more is, um, not just the number of users, but just sort of the loyalty and the activity of the users. Because so much of the growth is organic. In the beginning, it was completely organic. It was just people were using the website because their friends told them about it, and they said this was a great service um, and a great product, so you can get on it and buy things. And that's why you can see, even though we have only 50,000 users, and many of them are no longer even in China, but we sold 3 million products. Right. 60, so, 60 per registered user. Right. So every registered user, whether they're active or inactive, have bought 60 items. So we just see that once somebody discovers it organically on their own, um, it's just they, they buy again and again and again, sometimes, you know, weekly basis or, you know, even more than that. Um, and so that's for us is more important. Um, so, like, uh, we do some of these uh, events, like D Jay mentioned, the DD English. So, we got a bunch of registered users, um, but only 10% of them actually ever made an order. So, for us, that doesn't, that's the real metric that we care about. It's like, okay, people may have registered, but we care about people that are actually shopping, the people that are shopping regularly. 
And those are the ones that find us usually just because their friends recommend them uh, to, to people, you know. You mentioned the WeChat as, um, as a way to interact with your, your, your customer base. Uh, how many followers do you have? And do you have a, a WeChat mini app? Uh, can we buy through WeChat directly? Uh, could you share more about what you do on WeChat? Sure. Um, yeah, we have about 40,000 uh, followers on WeChat. Um, and uh, actually, WeChat Pay is the primary payment method. Mm. Um, about 70%, um, I'd estimate, are actually paying through WeChat. And we have our WeChat official service account. Um, we also have a WeChat mini program, but most of our users are on our official account. Um, and it makes it really easy to shop because um, you simply are, I mean, everyone's in WeChat all the time already in China. So you've got to have a presence there, right? Um, and a lot of people have their money on WeChat. They're used to paying through WeChat, especially foreigners. They're much more likely to use WeChat pay than Alipay. Mm. Um, and so through our official account, they can, we have a custom menu so they can quickly navigate the website, um, get on there and then check out and then quickly pay, you know, with their fingerprint scan or their passcode. Um, and they can also live chat so they can message our official WeChat account and then live chat with the service agent if they need to. Most of our customers don't need to, but it's, it's there for them. Um, so, and then on WeChat, of course, we get our pushes. So uh, four times a month, we can push out our content um, so that all of our users get a push and they can see four or five articles we write. Um, and we try to keep the content very focused on, on Valpals or on things that our demographic is interested in. Um, so we don't, we don't try to make it feel, you know, advertising, um, but more just trying to make fun, easy, readable content um, that they enjoy. Mm-hmm. I understand that your your focus is more actually to nurture the current base basis of your clients and to to go further with them to 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 build a better relationship than getting uh, more clients through marketing uh, so i would say i would believe that you are uh, uh, um, double doing double down you are doubling down on uh, marketing automation and newsletter and so on um, I, what kind of software do you use do you use hubstaff do you use hubspot uh, sorry do you use some software to do marketing automation uh, to actually retarget and so on is it part of your of your of your marketing uh, efforts no, we don't really have any software that we use for marketing. Right. Well, we do use, um, we do do mail blasts. So we do use um, some email marketing software um, on the email side, although we don't send out a whole lot of emails. Um, we're very adverse to, averse to spamming, right? I mean, I, uh, I've made account, we've made accounts on other shopping websites like American shopping websites and gotten as many as uh, an email every single day from some of them. Um, and it's quite, it's quite shocking, really, because you just start to tune it out immediately. And the last thing we want to do is bother our customers excessively. So um, we do use email marketing software, but we tend to send out only about two or three um, email blasts a month on there. Um, and, uh, and usually just focus on showing them, like, what were the favorite products from other shoppers this month? Or what are the best deals going on? Or what new feature do we have um, or sale that, that they should know about? Um, and then, yeah, otherwise, we're just doing social media. Um, you know, we're using, obviously, Facebook ad campaigns, um, and we're using Google, Google AdWords. AdWords uh, um, but that's really just kind of ongoing. That just keeps running. Um, and we don't put a lot into it, um, you know, just uh, about $10 a day. <laughs> okay. and, and we see, you know, things coming through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just kind of feel that we don't 
we don't really want to shove uh, our product and service down people's throats because I think that's the standard policy for most companies. It's like very aggressive in your face marketing. Um, and we kind of took a, you know, more hands-off approach to it. Um, and so far it's been working pretty well. That being said, I think we could be a bit more aggressive. Um, but for us, as long as we're seeing the growth and like we said, the, the customers really sort of appreciate, I think that we aren't very invasive. Um, and that's part of the, the loyalty and trust that we've been able to, one of the reasons we've been able to create more loyalty and trust. I'd like to understand a bit more about the, the, the code you built on, um, behind uh, Barpals. When I go on Barpals, it takes a little bit of time to load the content. Uh, does it mean that you extract the data from Taobao and then you translate uh, the, the, the data and get the price and so on? Uh, do, you, uh, do you have a specific agreement using API of, of, the, of, of the website and so on? Could you tell us more about how you built, uh, what's, what's the machine behind Barpals? Sure, yeah. We can't tell everything, yeah. of course. <laughs> um, there, are, there are some uh, trade secrets, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, what we, what we built is really like a puzzle of different technology um, that we had to piece together because there was nothing, there was nothing available uh, for us to build this that would kind of just give it to us on a plate and we could say, oh, wow, how easy, because then everybody would have done it, um, right? It's a very difficult platform to build and maintain. Um, but yeah, we do rely on, on APIs uh, uh, for the most part for the engine of the website. And that is what gives us Uh, the Taobao products and make sure that they stay updated um, so that customers essentially are shopping on Taobao, but with our interface um, and our skin on there. And then there are, there are auto translations uh, built into that, uh, which we also kind of tweak a little bit when we notice common problems. Um, and we also manually translate uh, certain things, especially products and sellers that we're featuring um, that are popular on our website. Um, But yeah, I mean, a lot of that is automated. And then the back end of our website, which, you know, the customers won't see, um, we've actually built uh, twice. I mean, really almost three times uh, because it's a very, very sophisticated system uh, where, you know, customers uh, orders are coming through and it's going to the right person to handle the next step and really sort of breaking it into various teams that can specialize in servicing specific types of orders and specific types of issues. Um, and then we've built, you know, tools, a lot of tools for our team to make their job easier, to reduce, uh, to reduce errors, to speed up the processing, um, and just make sure that uh, the behind the scenes all runs very smoothly and give them the right communication tools so that our service quality is good. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, I don't know how much more I can say beyond that, yeah. um, but maybe you can, you can ask more questions to dive deeper. <laughs> Now, it's interesting uh, for, for I, I believe, the audience to understand that the API of Taobao um, makes it possible to build on top of Taobao because the ecosystem of China is not very close. But in fact, they have opened uh, more than what I would have expected myself. And I saw that Alibaba figured you uh, on their channel with a, a, a post, right? Yeah, on yeah. LinkedIn, they, they made a post. So that was quite nice. A couple of years ago, Alibaba PR reached out to us um, before I think our second 11-11 um, wanting to do a piece about us and they came over and they're very excited. And this was kind of a big first step for us because we weren't quite sure how does Alibaba view us? Do they like us? Or are they going to be like, hey, what are you guys doing? You know, like, uh, <clears throat> but 
when the PR group came to visit us, it kind of put to rest a lot of our fears because they always referred to us as part of their ecosystem. So like you said, they, they, you, people may view China as quite closed, but what we view with Alibaba and I think a lot of things in China is actually quite open. Um, so they just were like, kind of excited, like, wow, we, you know, this, we didn't expect anybody really to do this. You know, you were just kind of like some kind of weird plant that started growing in our ecosystem. We're like, hey, this is kind of neat. Let's see what happens. Um, so that was uh, quite nice. And they've actually come back to us uh, a few times before, again, for some other stories and videos with us. Um, that's what one of the, the, the surprise as well. And it's contrarian to see that Alibaba is actually welcoming what you are doing. Uh, and most people would think that actually Chinese companies, especially those giants, would not be very open. But at the conclusion, I feel that they are caring about building an environment, an ecosystem around them. Um, what about, uh, last question, which is a bit technical, about the transaction with Taobao? Uh, is it uh, automatic or you have to manually uh, um, uh, accept it? I, I, was it easy to build? Uh, what are the most difficult, and that's the other question, what was the most difficult aspect to build, technically speaking? Was it the payment? Was it something else? Um, payment, I would say, wasn't that difficult. Once we were able to set up our payment channels, it was all right. It was the initial building the APIs, like uh, Jay was saying, um, it was a bit of a puzzle. So, like, there isn't, there isn't a single API that we have to create this. There's multiple APIs that you have to apply for, and some of them require uh, more sort of uh, clearance and, a, and, you know, a, a firmer agreement. And some APIs actually... Uh, don't even exist anymore, but luckily we got grandfathered in. Um, so that was the toughest part, was figuring out, okay, Taobao and Tmall is a very complex giant, um, and you have to get little pieces from here to here and put them together to get the data to really display what we need to have for shopping. Um, so that was the, I think, the toughest part, I would say. Right. And then, and then for Charlie and, and myself personally, um, learning to understand the technology a bit more and, and manage our tech team um, has been something that we've had to grow in because we're not programmers. Um, we tried taking like a beginner course and we didn't, we didn't get too far, but at least, at least now we, we understand the lingo um, and we understand a bit more how they work and how, how to communicate with tech people to explain what the problem is we're trying to solve, um, how, it, how it looks, how it should look and feel and the way it should work and what we're trying to build. Um, and then, and then organize things properly, because if you don't do that, uh, I mean, the tech, you know, the tech team is for us is, uh, is seven, eight people. Um, and it's one of the major costs of the company always, you know, either maintaining what we have or, or building the future of the company. So, um, if you mismanage that, it can be hugely costly. So, um, for us getting the right people on the tech team and, and understanding how to manage them and, and learning to use tools like Jira uh, for project management. Um, has been uh, one of the biggest lessons that we've had to learn and one of the most important ones. What I, um, you said just before, and I, it, it was a surprise to me, is that actually people uh, go on your platform to also buy products from overseas through Taobao because you have those resellers who are actually buying product from Australia and reselling in China. Do you have an idea of the split of products which are actually bought through Taobao coming from overseas? what we call cross-border, and the one which are actually coming from Chinese factories, cheaper products, and we, we, we expect more on Taobao, actually. 
I would say the majority are from coming from China. Um, there's not too much that I would say uh, is because it's quite a bit more expensive. You know, if the, the people buying products from Australia, I think a lot of those T-Mall stores that are selling, reselling European products and Australian products are really marketing more to the, to the Chinese. I mean, I can't really put a number on it, but I would say probably less than 10%. Right. Even I, less than the, 5%. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to foreign, foreign products um, that we're selling, a lot of times it's food. Like uh, probably our most, our top selling product of all time is this Australian milk, Devondale. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, so it's, if people are able to easily get uh, for an imported food um, or drink, then that's something that they'll buy quite frequently. Right. Um, but it's, that product has been quite localized, you know, so um, it's very easy to get. The shipping is very fast, you know, 24 hours usually. Mm -hmm. um, and then people, people still go on the flagship stores for foreign clothing brands like H&M and Zara and Uniqlo. Um, but more and more customers are buying from Chinese brands because when you go on our website, you can see all of it and compare so quickly, right? That's the advantage of online shopping is you get to see all of your options for any given product category. And, and when you, you know, put the Chinese brands up against the Western brands, oftentimes the price is so attractive. Um, and then you start to discover that the quality of many Chinese brands is really good too. So um, just yesterday I ordered some new Bluetooth earphones and I immediately went to the Xiaomi uh, store on our website um, because I just know that Xiaomi is making good electronics at a very affordable price and I've grown to trust that brand. Yeah, that's one, one thing I think uh, a big value that we've been adding to uh, China as a whole and Chinese sellers specifically is letting foreigners discover and trust Chinese brands um, because so many people just, you know, China has always has to deal with the stigma of made in China at low quality. Um, but really in reality, that's not so true anymore. They have uh, every range of quality. They have poor quality and they also have very high quality. Um, and so it's, it's nice to see our customers being a little bit braver and venturing out and trying, you know, Xiaomi or, or Huawei buying Fayette shoes um, because they're just quite a bit cheaper and the quality is very, very high. Yeah. Oftentimes on like Instagram, I get advertised random products and I've seen these exact same products on Taobao and Baopao's before um, and they're being advertised uh, to the West and getting all kinds of likes and comments. And then I check the price and this marking up like five times. Um, and so a lot of times in the West, uh, they are buying same products. Um, right. We're just paying a whole lot less buying them direct from the source here. Right. And the products on Amazon are anyways, but people feel like it's higher quality or safer because it's on Amazon. Um, and that's a bit of an advantage that Baupaus has as well. People feel a little bit safer buying on Baupaus because it feels... It's a little plus for us. Uh -oh. Talking about the how's our connection? Yeah, it's good. It's good back. Uh, talking about the products uh, which are sitting on your, on your platform, um, would you mind sharing a couple of bestsellers Right. Um, other than well, the milk, um, we've sold, you know, all, uh, really all kinds of things. I mean, the top selling categories are a bit different than the top selling products because the top selling categories are uh, apparel, mostly women's apparel um, and women's uh, footwear and beauty products. The women's departments dominate in terms of the browsing and the traffic. 
Um, but because there's so much variety and, and different women have different styles, there isn't like one dress uh, or, or, or one shoe that does all the sales. So the categories dominate. Uh, but in terms of actual products that sell a lot, uh, it, it really ranges a ton. I mean, there's, um, there was a, these really cool like framed uh, prints um, of, of different Chinese cities. You may have seen them. You might see them around if you, if you know to look for them. But um, you could get like a kind of a line map of Shanghai or Beijing or whatever city you live in. They also do foreign cities uh, framed and printed. It's a nice thing to kind of have on the wall at home. Um, and they only cost like 15 to $20. Um, we sold a lot of those. Um, so a lot of like home decor kind of cool products. Um, yeah. Like the Lego mug. <laughs> was yeah. Popular gift. It, it, it's, it's better. I mean, women's clothing is by far the largest department. Uh, and we get most people, the biggest sales are all women's clothing. Um, but there's just so such a huge variety that it's not usually one single product that's mm. selling a lot. There are tens of millions of women's clothing on, on top of um, but what we do see is that foreigners often tend to buy what other foreigners have purchased and reviewed on the site. So that's another thing that uh, is nice about Valhaus going into, you know, over three years of, of having this website is that the, the content on the site is getting better because customers will buy stuff and they review it. And when a Laowai sees another Laowai say that this product is good, then they buy it. So that's kind of a trend that we're seeing. Like, for example, the, the milk that Jay was saying, there's a lot of positive reviews on that. So now all of Laowai see it and they all trust it. And they tell like, okay, uh, you want to get milk, buy this milk. You, know, you want to buy macaroni and cheese, buy this macaroni. Yeah, actually mac and cheese. There's a mac and cheese that's one of our top selling products as right. well. Um, and then there's random stuff that just kind of becomes really popular. Like uh, we had some unicorn pajamas that became really popular one winter. Um, and so a lot of people bought those like, you know, those winter onesies, those really cute like unicorn and, and animal onesies. Um, and then there are certain, uh, certain electronics that, that can get popular, certain like uh, Bluetooth speakers. Um, and uh, there was a Game of Thrones shirt that, you know, when Game of, before everyone started hating Game of Thrones with the last season, there was a, a really popular Tyrion Lannister t-shirt um, that we sold a lot of it. It really kind of comes and goes. A lot of times it's seasonal um, or it's something that's topical um, that, that just kind of gets popular and, and we feature it. How much do you localize from um, apparel? Because the size are different between the West and China. Do you advise on this? For the, the size differences on uh, Yeah, the sizes. I, 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 I remember the, the business I invested in for the robes business. Actually, the size were different. So we had to reinterpret and even resize and try them. Do you advise clients on this as well? We, we do a bit. I mean, it's something that everybody experiences, right? I'm, I'm like a medium or large in the US and I'm a quadruple XL here in China. Um, and it varies largely by seller. Um, so, but one thing that's good on Taobao is that, you know, the sellers don't want uh, people to return clothes. So they want to try to get the best fit. So every seller has um, a sizing guideline. And so we always advise customers to first look at that sizing guideline. And we have a, an article that can help them translate and understand what it is. It's like, okay, if you're, uh, you know, 80 kilos and a 170 centimeters, then choose this size. Um, so most of our, our shoppers, they, they may have a bad experience the first two times because they, they, they don't know any better and they just say, oh, I'm a medium in, 
America, I'll get a medium here. Um, yeah, you got to look at these uh, sizing charts. Right. Yeah, if you just look at the product options and pick a size, um, you're going to have a bad. So what you want to do is scroll down, um, and that seller will almost always have a chart. And a lot of sellers are getting a bit smarter about it and realizing that uh, people want to know I'm this height and I'm this weight. Right. Those are two things that I know. I don't necessarily know how much I measure around the waist or from my shoulder to my elbow, right? But if you just tell me, if I tell you my height and my weight and you tell me what size to get, that's great. So they, they usually put that in the chart now. And as long as our users scroll down, they can see that. Talking about the future, um, I saw that one of the considerations you had was to include cryptocurrencies and make people pay through cryptocurrencies. Um, I, I felt when I read that, that it was a way for you to distinguish yourself from Alibaba, from AliExpress, because they would certainly not do that, not make it possible for people to pay, pay with cryptocurrencies. And I feel that one of the, uh, the directions you go to is try to differentiate. Could you share a bit more about the, the future of Barpout? Yeah, the connection cut out a little bit there, but I think oh, you, sorry. you were asking how we differentiate from um, companies like Alibaba or AliExpress. I think you mentioned cryptocurrency as a possible payment method, which will spark our interest because <laughs> yeah. we, are, we are big fans of Bitcoin. Bitcoin. We actually have a Bitcoin flag that we made for our <laughs> office Olympics in the back. I don't think you can see it. Um, but, um, but yeah, that, that intrigues us a lot. I mean, I think the, the main difference for us is that we, we are a platform created by foreigners who live in China um, who want to share what's, what they love about China with the rest of the world, with other foreigners, versus a Chinese company um, that's, trying, that's combating against all these preconceived notions that foreigners have about Chinese platforms, about Chinese companies and Chinese brands. We can sort of, we can build trust in a way that they can't simply because we are foreigners who say, we know, we know how you feel about China or about Chinese brands. We live here and here's what we've learned and here's what we like about China. So there's a, there's a level of trust and familiarity that we can create. Um, also by being, by being the middleman that we are, um, as opposed to AliExpress and Alibaba where sellers are communicating directly with customers and oftentimes providing a pretty bad or unpredictable experience, we're able to standardize that experience. So like our families uh, shop on AliExpress and one of the complaints that we often hear from them is that they're getting weird messages from sellers who are clearly using like translation uh, tools to try to sell them more products or if they want to return it, they say, oh, no, 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 don't return it. Here, how about give you a percent refund and then you, you don't leave a bad review, okay? Okay, thank you so much. I'll give you a gift, right? Like it's, it's, it's really uh, often a kind of a bizarre experience and an uncomfortable experience for uh, foreigners because they're getting different service standards from every different seller. They don't know what to expect. Um, and also they don't know what products to buy as well. So by being, by being a platform built by foreigners with a foreigner and Chinese team, we can sort of, we can filter that experience uh, and help uh, foreigners gain more trust and, and buy the right products and then feel safe um, with the platform they're shopping on. Um, and then maybe Charlie can also talk about cryptocurrency because he's the one, <laughs> he's been talking about Bitcoin for a very long time. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I don't really know what to say too much about uh, crypto. I mean, uh, we would like to accept, um, you know, crypto when we go international, um, maybe something Bitcoin on the Lightning Network. 
Um, but you know, it's still very early stages. Uh, we, I, I love Bitcoin just uh, in theory as a store of value. I don't see it for being used very much as a medium of exchange anytime soon. But I, I hope in the coming years there will be second and third tier payment levels built on top of uh, Bitcoin that could be very exciting in the future. Um, so we, we will see. Uh, we're yeah. banking on, on, on crypto being the future money. On the right. Day, the we, next five years. Or we so. we talked about creating our own and 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 got excited about the idea of a shopping platform that would have its own cryptocurrency and that could really fuel the adoption of it. But the more we learned about Bitcoin, the more we realized that Bitcoin really is the best one. It's it's different from all the altcoins and um and that's where we're you know we're kind of banking on the future um and we just believe in it philosophically and 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 it's becoming a real thing too, which is exciting. Thank you very much for your time. It's already one hour of interview and congratulations for everything you built. I mean, you have been quoted in People's Daily, Bloomberg, China Daily, by Alibaba as well. You, you got a prize as well from, from Shanghai City, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that was a surprise. Right, we were the first, first foreign. So they, they did, the Shanghai Municipal Government organized a, a citywide competition with hundreds of startups and they've been doing it every year for about nine years. Um, And they'd never had a foreign startup make it to the final round um, of 10. Um, you know, so we went through a series of rounds and then all of a sudden we were on stage at this, um, this big ceremony with politicians there. And, um, and so that was an honor. That was, um, that was something that we didn't expect, that we just kind of went in at the last minute because somebody encouraged us to. And, um, but it was real flattering uh, to, to be featured there and to be awarded um, and to kind of you know, break some new ground as a, as a foreign run startup in China. Yeah, it, it was, it was interesting because uh, we weren't even quite sure what this uh, event fully was because we've done a few startup competitions before and they never really panned out. Um, so we were, Jay was almost like, maybe we don't even go to this, whatever. Um, and then, so Jay and was, I was on stick too. Yeah. I wasn't feeling well. So, so <laughs> Jay, Jay was on stage doing the presentation and I was in the audience and then right after it was done and we, we won um, some like a, You know, news reporters came by and they interviewed me. It's like, how did it feel? Like, how did you get there? And I was like, to be honest, I don't even know. I just, we just signed some things and showed up here. I didn't really understand and quoted the paper, you know, later. It's like, so I asked how it felt and how to get there. You know, Charles Eric says, I had no idea what was happening. I just, we just showed up. So it's quite, quite nice. Congrats again. I hope you enjoyed the talk. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed to listen to it as well. You can follow us on iTunes, on Spotify, on every channel, including YouTube and Facebook, uh, through the name China Paradigm. Thanks again for, for being with us today. <laughs>